All right. Welcome back to the listener, to the viewer, to the to the tuner innera. Here we and are. I'm, and I've got the problem with language. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, episode one of the. Do we call? Do we? Are we so? Do we season it? Do we, we be that pretentious? Are we though? Are we that that pair of pretentious pricks that we would season our? You know what? I'd like to think we're our own kind of pretentious pricks. Absolutely. All right. So in that case, uh, the first episode fifteen. F- yeah. Which happens to be. The first, the first episode of 2013. The first of at least 15 more episodes. <laughs> at least. Until and, and we get picked up and we become all too, all Hollywood. And yeah. It, it's, the thing that's concerning, we started doing this in April. Was yeah. it we did our first one? Yeah. It's now January, so uh-huh. eight months. Something like that. And our lives haven't become Wayne's World yet. It's a little surprising. It's a little surprising. A little I'm, disappointing. I'm actually surprised that neither of us have, have dumped our respective partners and then now gone on out with a Yoko or something who, who would <laughs> fuck up the, the magic that is this. this uh... But anyway, look, it can happen. We it can. <laughs> not uh, sure if it will. Not to actually Yoko. No, no, because that's just a, a Yoko. A Yoko, yeah. If it's, Yoko. keeping on the theme, if it's yeah. Tia Carrera, oh. all for that. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> she yeah. will be mine. <laughs> oh, yes. So here we are with... with Lots of stuff has happened. I mean, Christmas, New Year, I yeah. got older. So we should probably just jump. So I've got heaps of news. Have you got heaps of shit? I don't have heaps. Right. You news this motherfucker up. <laughs> I am going to get all up in my news business. So, yeah, first cab off the rank, obviously, just talking about a couple of movies that have, people have probably already seen, been and gone, we uh, we reviewed Skyfall last episode, I think it was our final yeah. episode with Skyfall. Prior to the ending of 2012, Skyfall became the first 007 film to cross the $1 billion box office mark, making it the most successful Bond film in the 50-year franchise. Sam Mendes joins... Oh, sorry, I've got to hear the Sam Mendes joint. Joins the <laughs> illustrious trio of billion-dollar films for 2012, with the other two being The Avengers and The Dark Knight Rises. Although I still think that while The Avengers is a brilliant piece of filmmaking, I can't help but wonder if the fact that it was released in 3D and 2D, thereby adding more screens per viewing, which was mentioned at the time, and I'm not... I don't think I'm... I'm certainly not downgrading the movie Avengers at all. It's fucking brilliant. I just wonder if it didn't have something to do with the numbers. three bucks per ticket or whatever it is. And, And the fact that a Cineplex may have two 3D showings and two standard definition yeah. showings therefore four showings mm. of the Avengers yeah. and those, all those numbers they don't differentiate say no, 2D numbers just, 3D numbers yeah. so. but still and, that, and to be clear before I get fucking flamed on Twitter again you know who you are Corvette69 go suck a dick yeah it's it's a great movie so mm. yeah I think I might have mentioned this in a previous podcast the way France does it you know those cheese eating surrender monkeys mm-hmm. their box office isn't done in dollars it's done in seats how many tickets are sold that's so I actually have no data relevant to that. Yeah. But in terms of eighty-four thousand people saw this movie. Well, I actually—it's funny you do mention that. I, I actually did know that, and I have got something down mm. here. Apparently, if a film sells out completely, 
um, like on its opening night, yeah. um, that film is, is awarded the prestigious title of a Royale with Chiefs. Oh, really? So that's what they call it over there. People speak of billions of dollars, they call it a, a Royale, Royale with, with Chiefs. Chiefs. Something to do with the metric system, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of odd, bit of odd news. Yep. It doesn't really fit in our, in our wheelhouse, but it's just so bizarre. I thought I needed to mention it. And while we're on a, talking French, good friend of the show and French national treasure, ex-French national Your treasure, treasure. <laughs> Gerard Depardieu, uh-huh. Uh-huh. or as we now must call him, Comrade Depardieu. <laughs> How bizarre is this? He has renounced his French citizenship yep. and has become a Russian. He had issues, apparently, with paying 75% tax Something. And toilet issues on Air France, yes. apparently, or whatever it was. Um, but said, you know, had been having an ongoing stouch with, with his uh, with his motherland, saying, oh, I'm you know sick of you guys, I don't want to be French anymore. They fr- the French won't renounce your citizens your citizenship mm. unless you are signed up in another country. Right. So this thing was probably just going to go away, and it would have been a crazy drunk Frenchman's rant, mm-hmm. which we love crazy drunk Frenchmen. Bless rants. them. Until good friend of Depardieu. I won't say he's a good friend of the show. No, he no. likes to say he's a good friend of the show when yep. he's not wrestling tigers and scuba diving <laughs> using his bollocks for buoyancy. Russian President Vladimir Putin signed the citizenship papers himself. Democratically elected Russian president. And right. hero to all people. Yeah. <clears throat> we're, not, we're, not, we're not scared of Putin at all. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. Uh, last year I was quite happy to slag off SEAL Team 6. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. But it, it, this is just bizarre. Too bizarre for words. Yeah. This really is. So, yeah. So, Comrade Depardieu, Dostoyevsky. Yeah. Or <laughs> whatever the fuck they say in Russian. Oh, and there it is. The first one for 2012. <laughs> Dostoyevsky was an author. But that's okay. We'll move right along. <laughs> oh, that's great. J.J. <laughs> Abrams, as we all know, does some good stuff. Okay. Does some bad stuff has done something, he's stepped out of his own self. This was mentioned on Smodcast, Hollywood Babylon, HBO. And their uh, Hollywood I thought it Helpers. might have been made a Hollywood helper. 41-year-old New Yorker, Daniel, I didn't write his last name and I apologise, Daniel, I, I, I sincerely do. Is a Daniel huge, Craft. Thank you. Daniel Craft is a huge Star Trek fan. He's also been battling leukaemia for the past three years and has literally only weeks to live due to an aggressive tumour. And just like A Knight in Shining Armour, Daniel's friends has posted a plea for his buddy on Reddit where it was brought to the attention of J.J. Abrams and Paramount and they arranged a private screening of the most recent cut of the new Star Trek Into Darkness film on for Daniel and his wife on December 30. Apparently it was very well received. Got a notice here. Daniel apparently had a very big smile on his face for the entire movie something which understandably hasn't happened very often over the past few years of treatment. So nice of them to, well, as they do say in Hollywood Helpers, nice of them to get over themselves and, and help out. And, and I don't think um, Abrams has, is, is a dick by any stretch of the imagination. I just think it's, it's awesome that someone was able to reach out yeah. to him and that he did this. Yeah. It's not like the guy's going to spoil it for anybody. But Well, yeah, the, the, the sad yeah. footnote is he's actually died. He has passed, he has passed yeah. on now. So. Well, I feel like a bit of a cunt. Yeah. Um, there was a similar. I, I had this in in my news. There was a similar story of a, a young kid with with a brain cancer, and yep. the guys at Pixar did a did a similar thing. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's 
as, as we all know, as we talk about, I'm a heartless cunt. Yeah. But stuff like this brings a, a warmth to the cockles of where my heart would be. Oh, I thought you meant to say, so there it is, folks, if you want to see movies before everybody else, <laughs> hook yourself up with some cancer. <laughs> no? Okay, so apparently I'm more black-hearted than you. Yes. And a happy um, Jay McGrath day to everyone, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> anyway, you're up. Just a, a short one, and that's then the end of the end of my news, and we'll we'll kick on with yours. Holy shit! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, this has not been a. Fucking hell. Yeah. All right. Okay. Cool. Um, the head of a the MPAA, the Motion Picture Association of America, yep. has hailed in the strongest possible terms a sixty month jail cell for the head of an internet piracy ring. Oh, okay. So. The details are still a little bit sketchy of exactly who it was. Like, it's not like Demonoid or something like that. Mm. But one of the people that was the head of distributing all of this mm. has been jailed for five years for... Piracy. For piracy. Yeah. Which, you know, I would love... To, if I was ever going to go to jail, I'd just... I'd want it to be for that so I could say I went to jail for piracy. Because that's just badass. Okay. <laughs> not sure it'll stop you getting raped in the... the, the, the uh... But I'd get to wear an eye patch. <laughs> You'd be saying, ah, <laughs> uh, or more like, yeah. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger. Arnold has spoken during a press release for his new movie, The Last Stand, the eagerly anticipated The Last Stand, that he doesn't believe that there's a causal link between the violence portrayed on screen and that which occurs in real life, specifically pointing to the recent and unspeakable tragedy at Newtown, Connecticut. And I'll just pop a pin in that. We spoke about the... Uh, the shooting that happened at the Aurora, Aurora. Yeah. and possibly because of the link between the cinema and, and that yeah. sort of business. I just think it's, it's, it is just simply worth noting that this was a, a horrible uh, a, a tragedy beyond all measure, but I don't think... I think it, the news has dwelled enough on it, and I think we should just move on. But um, if I'm going to quote... I'm, well, I'm, if I am going to quote, I am going to quote Arnold. He said, I think one must always keep it separate. This is entertainment, and the other thing is tragedy beyond belief and serious and the real deal. Which was, incidentally, the name of one of his movies, I think. No, that was Raw Deal. Anyway, adding his voice to the many is special friend of the show, Quentin Tarantino, who said recently in a radio interview, I think it's disrespectful to their memory of the people who died to talk about movies. He said, I think it's totally disrespectful to their memory. Obviously, the issue is gun control and mental health, which mm. it is. There has been no reputable, peer-reviewed study that has demonstrated a causal link between violence in movies and video games mm. and violence portrayed in real in, in real life. There just hasn't been. But as Kolakowski's law will prove to you, jump on the internet, type in a couple of Google searches and you will find every piece of evidence you ever need mm. to support to, to, any to, argument. To, to support the argument that you want. Yeah, absolutely. But jump onto to Google Scholar, get into some peer-reviewed stuff. There are some interesting studies. There's been nothing yeah. proven yet. And I'm just going to jump straight into to something else there. While on Quentin, his male muse, Samuel L. Jackson, recently, recently dared... I saw this. I'm, this I'm, was fantastic. I'm sorry. He double-dared a reporter to say the N-word during a recent interview. The reporter rather astutely declined. However, it, it was a little bit of light-hearted fluff, and I've put the link up on the Prick's Facebook page. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty funny. Very funny. Oh, like, yeah. You know, and, and rather astute of the... the dude not to say it because he could have he could have flipped it I mean we know Samuel L. Jackson he's not terribly he's not an asshole or anything no. but he can you know he, he may have very well turned around and struck down upon him yeah. with great vengeance yeah. and just finally in that relation to that section 
on a personal note, Spike Lee, shut the fuck up, you irrelevant, ridiculous, paramilitant fuckstain. He's yet again decided to take a big fucking cock-swinging swipe at, at Tarantino. Tarantino. Yeah. For, the, for the use of... Oh, just everything. Just basically Tarantino can't walk down the street properly. But yes, essentially the... the, Cause, the yeah, because how, how, how are your movies going, Spike? Uh, exactly. I mean, he's doing a... Tyler Perry, Perry is making more movies than you. <laughs> Medea got more fucking box office than the last Spike Lee joint. Yeah. I think, you know, your cries of relevance are a little pathetic. Yeah. You're like the Madonna of filmmaking. <laughs> Huge Spike Lee fans. <laughs> Having said that, uh, Malcolm X is pretty good. Anyway. I, I, um, Anton Fakwa, I think that's his, or Fak- Fak- I'm pretty sure it's, it's Fakwa. Fakwa. Yeah. <laughs> of Training Day. Of Training Day fame. Has an upcoming film called Olympus Has Fallen. Have you heard about this I one? I have not. It's starring Gerard This Is Sparta Butler. Aaron, I was wasted as Two-Faced in the Dark Knight, Eckhart, and Morgan, the most awesome man on the planet, Freeman. The film appears to be about a Secret Service agent, Butler, who must stop Korean terrorists from taking over the White House. Now, if this sounds familiar, which it may, it's because Roland Emmerich will be releasing White House Down, which is about a Secret Service agent, in this case Channing Tatum, who must rescue the president, who will be played by Jamie Foxx, from a paramilitary group who have taken over the White House. But, in the Channing Tatum version, he defeats them by stripping. <laughs> I'm probably going to see both of these movies. Yeah. One because I'm interested, and one because the wife will drag me just on the off chance that Channing Tatum will Get take his shirt, shirt off. Yeah. I mean, seriously. So it's burping. Yeah. Again, why it's... the fuck? Why the fuck face? Why the fuck face? <laughs> why, uh, I thought Hollywood was done with this shit, but uh, it's, it's pretty fucking ordinary. Yeah. As you said, erping. It's erping. Mm-hmm. The National Society of Film Critics have released their annual awards, nating, uh, naming, nating, naming Armour. The, the greatest film critics. Of, do, we, do we finally get the Guernsey? Have, have they named us best asshole I, I review duo? I didn't mail in our For Your Consideration CD, but that we'll do a best of for this year. The movie Armour, or Armour, Armour which is uh, French for love, Unsurprisingly, a foreign film as their best picture and director Michael Hankey and best actress Emmanuel Riva for the same film. If you want to check out Michael Hankey's work before, I've seen it in The Piano Teacher or La Pianiste and it's pretty impressive so I'm going to check this more movie out. Daniel Day-Lewis, unsurprisingly, took out Best Actor for Lincoln which also took out Best Screenplay. I won't go on, however, I would like to point out something that surprised me more than somewhat. National Society of Film Critics... Best Supporting Actor, who? Supporting Actor? Yeah. 2012. The fact that you brought it up as a story means it's probably something bizarrely left field. Yep. Gerard Depardieu. No, but close. Matthew McConaughey for Magic Mike. I <laughs> shit you not. Now, wow. I, did, I didn't hate Magic Mike. My mum my, my fucking thought it was shithouse, but we did have to watch the stripping scenes over and over and over and over again. I didn't hate it. We. Yeah, we. <laughs> yeah, I look, I, you know. But. Well, I had our seat from bloody. Uh, anyway. Um, and then we've got, of course, the Anne Hayes' butthole reference and Matthew McConaughey's freckle. Now, I've talked about this film before. I've, uh, I've seen it, Compliance, which was my. Well, you, you, we looked at it. Yeah, you, I think you posted something about the. It's the, the guy calls the. Fast food yeah, store? it's about a yeah. prank call that that just goes horribly, horribly, well, probably horribly right for his thing. 
Probably the scariest part about this movie is it's based on a true story, um, and the events depicted in the film are true, which is just horrifying. I've picked it as the most intensely horrific film of all time, and has yielded, as a film though, has yielded little buzz in the Oscar world. Sorry, but not as a film, but for the performance of veteran actress Anne Dowd. She'll be more uh, familiar to listeners by face than by name, but her work in this film is exceptional. And Magnolia Pictures, the distributor of the film, didn't pay for Oscar screeners, so Anne Dowd and her husband have shelled out 13 thousand dollars to have them made and sent out. The reason being, and I think this is an interesting situation, Dowd has received the greatest reviews of her career in this little indie flick, with the National Board of Review awarding their Best Supporting Actress Award and nominations in the Critics' Choice and Indie Spirit Award. So for Magnolia Pictures not to support her through this campaign is to a possible Oscar nomination, which is a significant career milestone, mm. especially for a movie in which she was paid $100 per day for 16 days' work. Yeah. However, Magnolia's, and this is this is probably more of an indictment, I'm not necessarily critical of these guys, because yeah. he's come out, what I'm actually pretty impressed with is he's come out and said this. Matt Cowell, Magnolia's senior VP of marketing and publicity, has told The Hollywood Reporter, and I'll quote them, they would have supported her thing if compliance had made money. This film that unfortunately we're going to take a loss on, he says, if it had worked like some of our, some of our films have, we would have supported Anne with a terrific end-of-year awards campaign like we did for Melancholia and for I Am In Love. Instead, he says, when a film is already out on DVD, supporting actress awards buzz does not help, but it's not a game-changer, does help, sorry, but it's not a game-changer on the film's bottom line, so we are just trying to be as responsible as we can. Which... You, you, you got, you got to, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, as much as we'd like to think that the Hollywood's there for the art... It's a right. business, yeah, absolutely, and and the fact that he's come out and said said it and said, look, yeah, we think she was great, but we've already lost money on this film. Yep. We can't lose any more. Absolutely, and the film's only made three hundred, a little over three hundred thousand k. Yeah, so it's not uh, three hundred thousand k, three hundred thousand dollars. So it's not, it's it's an exceptionally good film, and it is well worth watching. It's and extraordinarily you know well acted. If she even gets a nomination because of this, if she's done this on her own bat, that, yeah. that would be fantastic. And that's, that'd, that's, that'd be the feel-good story of the year. No one is expecting her to win. I don't no. I don't think it is an Oscar-winning performance. However, you're 100% right. A career highlight, a nice little benefit, because she's mm. getting on. She's And she admits this. This is, this yeah. is probably her... her One she's, of her last chances. Yeah, for a career-defining moment, and that'll be this. So, and my last piece of the news story, which I'm sure is pretty big money to somebody but actually personally have no interest in it Walt Disney Studios has filed an emergency motion to stay a ruling that may prevent them from re-releasing 2D movies as 3D movies without being sued for patent infringement apparently Digital Domain the effects studio co-founded by James Cameron in 93 has recently declared bankruptcy with most of the company's assets being sold However, the company still has significant debts and has sought to auction off its remaining assets for the benefit of its creditors, as it's supposed to do. Among the most prized remaining assets are the patents relating to the 2D to 3D conversion processes. The prospect of these patents being sold has caused concern in Hollywood. Marvel sought to protect the rights related to the Avengers and Lucasfilm sought to protect The Nightmare Before Christmas. But it was Disney who expressed the loudest objection, contending that the proposed sale could impair its rights to distribute certain films. 
I've tweeted the link from the Hollywood Reporter for, for you prick lovers out there who need something to read while you're on the toilet. But I think this is in, I think yeah. it's interesting. But so, so it would it would it could potentially if, if a studio picks up the rights to this patent, this production house had the patent, so yeah. they could do the work. Yeah. If Disney picks it up, they could say fuck you all, and you know, and other studios then couldn't do it. Potentially. Okay. So but I don't think that's what Disney are going for. I think what Disney, from what I could read, and I had a look at their injunction online, what they're going for is the ability to to do it too and I think it's three films in particular but to be able to do it later on one of the films is Alice in Wonderland in 3D and, and whatnot. now so I don't quite understand how it's gone what I think is if they decide to re-release I don't know Snow White and the Seven Dwarves as a free 3D film and mm-hmm. they use this process they could be sued for patent infringement so but it would be interesting if a studio yeah. could possibly snap that up but then there's I don't know I know in Australia there's a, the, the concept but there, there is a restriction of trade mm. argument that potentially could be made very clever lawyer probably someone cleverer than well I don't think there is someone cleverer than I but I'm, you know at least yeah. you, you know at least a lawyer could possibly make that argument but I don't know but it, yeah it's well worth the read it's on um but I, I just don't care. I mean, if, it, if insofar as if it was stopping them from making movies, then I would care. But if it's but stopping all it's them from, doing is stopping them from re-releasing two D films as three D films and fucking them up. Yeah. I so I actually don't care in that regard. Yeah. If it prevents them from re-releasing Avengers three D twenty fifth anniversary edition, well, so be it. So be it. But apparently it does that. But tonight. in the beginning of awards season yay Golden Globes are, are my favourite awards mm. because they're supposed to be fun they're supposed yes. to be a little bit you know and it's got nothing re- I mean it's a little bit to do with Ricky Gervais revitalising them a little bit but yes. but I've spoken enough you, yeah. you can fire off Golden Globes are mm-hmm. Woody's favourite awards of the year <laughs> my, my <laughs> so, echo in here uh, so the awards are on the 13th Mm-hmm. Which is next Saturday for us, or ne- actually next Sunday, I think. So we'll get them on uh, on TV on the Monday. Yep, I believe so. In a little over a week. Interestingly, this year the Oscar nominations come out before the Globes awards are announced. Ah. Oscar noms come out, I think, Thursday. Right. So okay. so no longer do we have the Globes as a predictor mm. of the of what's going to happen with the now Oscars. Is there any reason been? For that? I think because the Oscars were the Oscars used to be a month later. The Oscars used to be at the end of March. Yeah, I think they're trying to stop their grass being cut. Okay, yeah, fair enough. To a certain extent. Yeah. Who's hosting this year? Tina Fey. It's Tina Fey and, and Amy and Poehler. Annie Poehler. This could be fucking funny. Well, I, I look. I'm pretty happy about it, but I, I, I want to pop in a small caveat to that if I can. These two are brilliant, extraordinarily funny women, and I have every confidence in them to bring the best that they can bring, but. Award ceremonies have to be the toughest rooms in Hollywood because no one really is coming. No one goes to the Golden Globes and goes, fuck, man, I cannot wait for the interpretive dance sequence before yeah. my award gets written out. And if they're, if they're wait, all they're waiting to, all they want is their award to be read out 
or they want to go and get pissed because they didn't win. And that's that's a tough fucking room. And yeah. in, in the Cause, past, because yeah, because you're you're playing to the TV audience, the room couldn't give a fuck. Absolutely, and you can often tell if they don't get the audio right how much fucking noise is going on, especially at the Emmys. I noticed the Emmys last year, like the, the people were talking. You know, what I like to uh, uh, film, blah 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 blah, and you can hear clink and blah and carry on and stuff. They haven't got didn't get the yeah. sound mix right. People are just sitting at their table chatting the fuck away. These award ceremonies, in the past, their reliance on those sketches that they do and little, little fucking bullshit skits, to me, have made them look like subpar SNL skits, which is saying, oh, wow, that's, yeah, that's saying something. Um, because I'm, SNL skits remind me of subpar SNL skits. <laughs> I mean, Gervais did it without the sketches, and the first time around it was exciting, it was shocking, it was new. Second time around was was retread and tried, and, and I'm not surprised he's not doing it for the third time. Personally, for these types of events, I think you need to play it pretty straight up, to be honest. I think you need to throw in a few one-liners here and there. You need to be Billy Crystal of old. Yeah. Just a few one-liners, a nice opening to relax everybody, yeah. a few one-liners here, there, everywhere. A little bit like Jon Stewart did that time with yeah. the Oscars. He, he, he fell flat so many times, mm. and that's probably proof positive that people like him don't yeah. have the chops. But I think... Um, so I'd like to say I believe in the hosts... But I don't believe in the venue. I don't believe yeah. it's going to... I don't believe in the format. I don't think it'll suit. But two phenomenally funny people to yeah. be doing it. If anyone's going to prove me wrong, it'll, it'll be, be those two. Because yeah. Tina Fey is so fucking hot. I'm still really unsure of Seth MacFarlane for the Oscars. Oh, so I, I, all my eggs are in his basket. Oh, and if he pulls it off... Yeah. But, and as, as I've said before, if there's not a chicken fight... <laughs> it's a waste live action chicken a live fight. action chicken fight yeah just um, and just come, have it coming back through through the, through <laughs> the show like four times look at during the fucking old uh, Irving Thalberg humanitarian award yeah or in the memoriam like right in the middle of that like have the chicken oh. come up as in the memor- in memoriam because you can't kill Peter yeah and then of course the eye will open right at the end that would be wrong anyway yeah um, so what, I, what I've done and I, I assume you've done done the same the big movie awards I haven't talked about TV yeah I've got uh, one two three I've, I, I fucked off score and all that sort of shit yeah I've, I've got screenplay director I don't know why and the actor one. and actress one. okay I um, yeah I don't know why I've still got foreign film uh, best choreography I think I dropped did you and best use of a bagel oh fuck man I had some really good ideas for that one all right, well, let's let's just go through what we got. So obviously, right. the first one off the rank is best motion picture. I thought we'd leave that to last. Okay, we'll, we'll build up to it. So the last one, uh, let me finish. <laughs> let me finish. <laughs> best performance by an actress in a motion picture, supporting role in a motion picture. Yeah. Yeah. So, so actress. Yes. Let's go with actress. Yeah. So best supporting actress in a motion picture, the we have Amy Adams for The Master. Yeah. Sally Field for Lincoln, Anne Hathaway for Les Misérables. Helen Hunt for The Sessions, and Nicole Kidman for The Paperboy. Now, one thing that I will say, and this will be a, a not a caveat, but a, something, a lot of these films haven't come out in Australia. Yeah, which is a bit sucky. So, so we're guessing, yeah. on some of these, I'm guessing based on industry buzz and whatnot, yeah. because we haven't seen some of these films. Our screeners must have gotten lost in the mail. Yeah. I, I think The Globes, we have a real chance, because... We are part of the press, and we're foreign. We report on Hollywood. Foreign. 
Yeah. We are the Hollywood Foreign Press. Yeah. Just saying. Uh, we are, you know. We so, are. I, I think next year, if we don't get our screeners... If we don't get our fucking invites. Yeah. That's what I want, to, anyway. Um, yeah, look, and I've... I, you've seen one of these ones. You've seen Lemmy's, have. haven't you? Yeah, see, I haven't yeah. seen that yet. I want to, but I haven't seen it. There's a lot of love for Hathaway's performance mm. in Lemmy's, and quite rightly so. I think we'll probably try and review this next week. Yeah, if we can. Um, if yeah. we can. But I don't think they'll go for it. Too obvious? Too obvious, and while it is a good performance, it's a bit... It, it's different. It's not... It's a bit showy. It's a bit... You know, it's, it's a singing role. Yeah. So I am going to put my vote in for Helen Hunt in the sessions. Okay. With Sally Field as an outside chance. All right. I'm, well, I'm going to do, I'm not going to have an outside chance in this particular category. I am going to put my money on Amy Adams. Mm-hmm. Simply because the master is getting, is that, that quiet movie yep. that everyone talks about but no one's it's not constantly being popped up in awards things and, yep. and movies like that have a, a habit of of snaking the grass yep and amy adams can bring it she's oh, just she's a, got, such a sensational helen hunt i i mean i was surprised when i even saw her name there i'm like fuck is she still around yeah. so best actor in a supporting role Woody. um well we've got alan arkin in argo it's a triple there we go How it's a triple it threat uh dicaprio in django unchained Seymour Hoffman in The Master, Tommy Lee Jones Lincoln, Christoph Foltz in Django Unchanged. I oh, look I want I want with all my heart Alan Arkin for Argo, so I'm just that's what I want. But I think I think Hoffman is yeah. gonna take it. But I'm I want to be put down as Alan Arkin. Yeah, yeah. I, I've I've said Alan Arkin by a nose. Yeah. I think the only serious that's, that wasn't anti Semitic, was it? A little bit. Okay. Yeah, I think I'd love to see Christoph get it, yeah. but I think because he got it for Bastards, I think it's a bit too soon for yeah. him. Yeah. You'd love to think that Leo could get up there. But again, we haven't seen the film, so it's all, uh, it's all just... Yeah, it's I all mean, Leo, Leo's... And look, no one on that list needs this award for their continued no. career. But I think Leo's one of these people that, that will probably go through life never really taking one of the big ones mm. out but not be the poorer for it no. I think his his body of work growing pains aside a blip in an otherwise usually unblemished yeah um, yeah so my vote is my, my bet for Alan Arkin yeah but yeah Seymour with, Hoffman with the side of DiCaprio no with, with the side of Hoffman <laughs> with the side of Hoffman you, you, can't, you can't discount the brilliance that is the Hoff yeah the real Hoff the real Hoff yeah, no, he's he is just sensational as a as an actor, and I really I'd like to see him recognised. Yeah. Same with like Dinklage in Game of Thrones. Like yeah. there are so many other people in that that show, but he just he just steals it every yeah. single time he's on screen. So what have we got next? All right, so best actress, and this is where it splits into comedy, musical, and drama. Oh yeah, yeah. So best actress in a comedy or musical. Um, I've seen none of these films. Emily Blunt, Salmon Fishing in the Yemen. Judy Dench. That just reeks of, of a oh, war, oh, doesn't yeah, it? it does. yeah. uh, Judy Dench for the Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. I've actually got that. I haven't watched it yet. Jennifer Lawrence for Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah. Maggie Smith for Quartet. And Meryl Streep for Hope Springs. I'm going to say no to Meryl. Yeah, no, she's she's um, done for awards. Because we've 
we've talked about the the Streep effect. She's done. She's done now for awards. She'll uh, and she acknowledged that in her Oscar exception. She's like, "This is the last time I'll get up here." Yeah. And it was like, "Ooh." She's like, "No, for fuck's sake! This yeah. was, this was my." She was basically saying, "Thank you very much. This was my swan." This song. is the lifetime achievement award. Yeah. Yeah. The next, yeah, the next time she's yeah. up there is for Bobby De Niro to yeah. give her the lifetime achievement. Yeah. And it's got to be Bobby. That'll be the one that we're producing. Yeah. Where Bobby De Niro just gives out all the awards. <laughs> um, I'd say no. Also, no to Emily Blunt. Even though salmon fishing in semen is quite a yeah, fun well, pastime. Yeah. Jennifer Lawrence could be a roughie because Silver Linings Playbook is getting a lot of a lot of love from what yeah. I've heard. But I think it's the Battle of the Dames. I think it's Judy Dent and Maggie Smith. And I'm saying Maggie Smith just because I've heard better things about Quartet than I have for okay. Exotic Marigold Hotel. And I I, I agree and this is where my little conspiracy thing pops out because as far as I'm concerned, the if you go back and look through the, the history of these award shows, when the fuckers aren't there, they seldom get the award. Mm-hmm. And I think neither Dench nor Smith will be there to get the award because both of them are filming... I mean, Judy Dent, she filmed all her scenes in England, uh, Downton Abbey, which mm-hmm. is the latest thing for Maggie Smith, all in England. They're too old to travel. They're, they're not... Yeah. I don't think they're going to get it. But I'm, I'll just to be contrary, I'll go with Judy Dench. Yeah. So, yeah, it will be the Battle of the Danes. Yeah. So, <laughs> M versus uh, Professor McGonagall. <laughs> uh, ex- Exciteramus. <laughs> so, we've got. Uh, best actor in a comedy or musical. Best actor. Okay. Yeah. So, we've got Jack Black for Bernie. Yeah. Bradley Cooper, Silver Linings Playbook. Our Boy Hugh for The Miserable People. Ewan McGregor, Salmon Fishing and Seaman, and Bill Murray, Hyde Park on Hudson. Now, I haven't heard anything about Hyde Park on Hudson at all. This I've is one of those dark I've yeah. seen the trailer. I think Hugh's going to take it out. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think his, his currency in Hollywood right now is just... It, it's solely based on the size of his pecs, and they're yeah. an impressive... I, think, I just think he's got everybody... Loves Hugh Jackman. Mm. I have a particular hard spot for for Hugh Jackman. I think he's just everything. He's he's one of those most annoying cunts because you want to hate him, but you can't. You can't because he's just fucking. He's lovely. everything. He's, yeah, yeah. He's, I'll be honest. He's fucking gorgeous. Yeah, talented. He's in the best show of his life, and he's a nice guy. Extraordinarily How, talented. Sure, fuck he's, him. You know, his beard of a wife. Absolutely, he's completely gay. But that's all right. But who cares? That's okay. Who cares? Because it's Hugh. Yeah. So you're going for Hugh. I'm going for Hugh. I I think that Les Mis will be shut out. Oh. I think there'll be a backlash against yeah. it, um, and if we do review it, there'll be. I've got some some reasons. I think Bradley Cooper is a real chance. Yeah. For Silver Linings Playbook, for the same reasons that I said for Jennifer Lawrence. Yep. But I'm going with Venkman. Yeah, look, you got to put some Bill, money Bill on. Murray. Well, what do they call it, racing? You put a dollar each way or something on yeah. or whatever. How it goes, I don't know. But Yeah, but no, this, to me, this is Bill Murray. Yep. He's liable not to be there. But anyway, see, and that's well, interesting well, too. Depends, well, is, uh, is uh, Dan Aykroyd going to be there? Well, <laughs> here's the thing. We often, like, you hear little snippets here and there where they, they, they hint at the fact that Agents and, and and studios know prior to whether somebody yeah, yeah. has won so or not. You, you, you should probably. Yeah, go. you really should be there. It's, we urge you in all strongest language to be there. Bill Murray is just as liable to not go because they've told him mm. to be there. So interesting. So that's yeah. Okay, that's I can live with that. 
Best Actress Drama. 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 Jessica Chastain at Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah. Marion Cotillard, Rust and Bone. Helen Mirren for Hitchcock. Give her my Rust and Bone. <laughs> Naomi Watts for Impossible. Sorry, for The Impossible. And Rachel Weiss for The Deep Blue Sea. Again, I haven't seen any of these films. No. Zero Dark Thirty. I talk. I put a. I put on the Facebook page. Yeah. Just to, to clarify, people that, that haven't seen the Facebook page. What the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah. 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 There's that. Zero Dark Thirty, I think, is probably an exceptional film. Yes. It's got undeniable pedigree. She knows how to make a hell of a film. Yeah. As was proven with. The Hurt Locker. The Hurt Locker. Yeah. Well, pretty much all her films, to be honest. Yeah. If you look back in retrospective of Catherine Bigelow's mm. films, she knows how to make a film. Yeah. Now, whether the film is particularly good or not... Yeah. It's know, well made. Yeah, she knows how to make a yeah. film. My fear mm. is that this film will get caught up in the jingoism of fuck yeah, we kill this armor. Yeah. So, um, again, like I, I never saw Incredibly Loud and Extremely Close. Yeah. But did it do well because it was a 9-11 film? Well, how many? I don't think it took that many awards. Yeah. It was nominated. Nominated for five. Well, see, so it was Hugo. Remember, yeah. Hugo was nominated True. for everything and yeah. won like two technical awards yeah. or something, which was ridiculous. Mm. So yeah, so I don't know, and I, I haven't seen the film, so I'm no. I'm have you not, you've seen the trailers though? Yeah. Oh. oh, it looks it looks good. It looks the um, tits. But yeah, I don't think Jessica Chastain for that. I haven't seen any of the other films. I'm going with Helen Mirren because it's fucking Helen Mirren. Mirren. Yeah. Look, I, I'm going to be. I'm going to go with you. I'm not going to vote against Jessica Chastain just because she's in Zero Dark Thirty. I just don't know her work. Mm-hmm. But of the people there that I know, their work that those B, C, D, and E, Coltelard, Mirren, Watts, Weiss, that is a pretty good crowd. That's a, that's a strong field. That's a very strong field. So if you were going to put a note, I, I would like to see Naomi Watts win because I put her in the same categories as Hugh Jackman. Mm-hmm. Insofar as I just think she's she's just is genuine. She she enjoys her craft, and it's it's so for me. I guess what I should be clear about is this would be a this is a personality race for me. Yeah. Because I just don't know these these films, and I like Naomi Watts' personality, so I want to give her a, an award. If it was all about popularity, that's all that is for me. On that zero dark thirty. So um, are we are we putting you down for yeah, uh, Naomi, Watts. Naomi Watts? Yeah, because she's stunningly beautiful. And what would be awesome? is if Naomi Watts won it, Nicole Kidman doesn't, she gives her the bird, says, I'm the fucking queen of Australia now, whore. Yeah. You're fucking ragged. Because I was born. I oh, know, she was born in England. Anyway, Sorry, that's I... fine. I, <laughs> I think, look, if she wants to, that's fine. Probably a bit off, given that Nicole Kidman isn't nominated in that category. But well, she's nominated so, in something else. Yeah, but anyway, look, no worries. I, I have no problems with your Nicole hate. With, in response to your Zero Dark Thirty, I agree with the, the I think your fear is genuine I think it is justified I think it's, it's been proven by precedent I am holding out a vague hope that that won't happen that I think 10 year, 11 years is long enough and I don't uh, now we've spoken about this before we've spoken about this privately I don't mean to diminish the terror or the horror that was 9-11 10 years you know it, enough is enough Insofar as I think the I think it's not gonna I don't I'm holding out hope that it's not gonna happen. I'm holding out hope that the, the hype has died down. And Zero Dark Thirty, I will just want it to be a very good film. It's because it's got the people in it that I like looking at. So that's yeah. So we've got actor in a motion picture. Uh, best actor drama, yeah. Best actor drama. So we've got Daniel Day Lewis for Lincoln. And four other guys. 
<laughs> Four other also rans, with a few notable except, uh, new notable mentions. We've got Daniel Day Lewis for Lincoln, Richard Gear for Arbitrage, Arbitrage, John Hawkes for the Sessions, Joaquin Phoenix, the Master, Denzel Washington, Flight. I've heard nothing but great things about the Master, and I've heard nothing but phenomenal things for Daniel Day Lewis in Lincoln. I think it's pretty clear he's going to take this one out. I don't think it's going to be a surprise to anybody, and I don't think it's going to be. I nearly wanted to say unearned. Yeah, unearned. I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to be. Yeah, oh, of course, Daniel Day Lewis is going to get it because he's Meryl Streep. Um, he's going to get it because, because he is phenomenally yeah. good. Yeah. It, I mean, all reports. Though it is interesting when people say, "Oh, it's just like he's really looking." Yeah. How the fuck do you know? <laughs> but so, can, can we start calling him DDL yet? DDL. Or does he have to be a... Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, yeah. Can we call him DDL? We could, but... Because we, we do it with JGL. Do we want people to know who we're talking about? Okay. So, you know, on the phone, I think he's okay with Hey, DDL. Diddy! Yeah. I mean, he's just... He's such, such, such a good actor mm. in everything he does. I think Lincoln is an important film now. I think it's probably a really good timing by Steven Spielberg to bring this movie out now. I don't think he's... Who knows? I, I would because we're, we're talking. We're trying to understand the mind of a genius filmmaker. Yeah. I don't think he would be sitting in his office going, "Hmm, I'm not going to produce Lincoln now because I need to produce it in three years' time when the climate will be blah blah blah." Yeah. But I think this happens to be a few stars have aligned for him. I think he got. He's wanted to make this movie, uh, Lincoln movie, for years. Yeah, yeah. I think he got snubbed on Warhorse, and mm. I don't think that was fair. I think on Warhorse remains one of the most beautiful movies I've seen in, in recent years. It's just such a spectacular movie. So, yeah, but the, it's got to be DDL. And Richard Gere, what the fuck? Yeah. Is yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, so Daniel Day-Lewis will actually make the, the one, the presidents, the one-two yeah. punch of presidents with Bill Murray. Oh. Because Bill Murray's playing FDR. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. Oh, boom, boom. I can live with it. Screenplay. Who have we got? We've got Chris Terrio for Argo, Quinton for Django Unchained, Tony Kushner for Lincoln, David O. Russell, Silver Linings Playbook, and Mark Bowell for Zero Dark Thirty. Oh, that's a tough... Now, I... That's Gen- tough. Now, Django has gotten a lot of nominations for various things mm. in these awards. I think the only thing it's going to take out is this. Yeah. Again, the only film of those that I've seen is Argo. And I love Argo. Argo was my film of the year. No. But I think uh, I think Django will take out screenplay, prolific use of the N word, aside notwithstanding. What did what did Pulp Fiction win? Screenplay. It won, it won screenplay. screenplay. At the Oscars. I don't know about the Globes, but it won original screenplay at the Oscars. And, and which has always been for me the you know what this was probably a really good film, but we'll give you this because it's something big is going to win everything else. Would I'd you? like to, I'd like to see him get it, yep. but I think um, actually. To be honest, I'd really like to see Argo get it. Yeah. I'd like to see Argo get a nod because I don't think, as much as I want Alan Arkin to win, I don't think he's going to get it. Yeah, I want Argo, Argo to get, needs to get something. Yeah, because he won't get any of the others, yeah. unfortunately. But because he's a very special friend of the show, QT's got QT's got to take it. And and I think, well, when we speak to him later, I think he'll understand our choice yeah. on that one as, as yeah. our reticence, if you will. Yeah, because QT's just going to. He's. Have we seen a career resurgence? Of of QT since, is, but it was one. Does one bad film? Does that, does a blip? 
in an otherwise stellar career. Oh, are we talking... does, does then does then good films after that make a resurgence? Well, are we talking about? We're talking about Grindhouse. Grindhouse, yeah, the Death Proof yeah. movie. So, which I still haven't seen. Yeah, but so great, 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 one shit film. Great, great, great. Is that enough to call it a resurgence? It's not like he was in the darkness for fifteen years. It's not like Travolta when he got in Pulp Fiction. True. I guess then uh, I'll reuse the, the I'll, I'll reiterate or, or, or say another or use another word other than resurgence or maybe resurgence in the sense that he very quiet for so long before Bastards came out mm. like uh, Death Proof came out and then we, we had to wait five years yeah. now we've, we've had Bastards and then within two years we've got Django that's what I mean possibly by resurgence yeah. maybe I mean maybe he's just decided to Maybe, maybe if he follows through with his threat about digital filmmaking, he wants he's... to do as much as he can yeah. while he can. I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, we like him. So Quentin for screenplay. For screenplay. Yep. I have best director next. Best director. So we've got Ben Affleck for Argo, Catherine Bigelow, Zero Dark Thirty, Ang Lee for Life of Pi or Life of P, Spielberg for Lincoln, Tarantino for Django Unchained. I will say it right here and now. I want, with all my heart, Ben Affleck to take out Argo. Yep. I really do, and I'm gonna just I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna dance with the girl I brought, and I'm gonna back Ben Affleck. Yep. He won't get it, but you'll you will hear me hear me roar yep. when he does if yep. he does. So it really comes down to between Lincoln and Zero Dark Thirty, mm. with with the potential of Ang Lee's Life of P to come through and do yep. one of those fucking foreign film things. Mm. That, I have zero interest in seeing that film. Yeah. I have absolutely no interest whatsoever in seeing it. So, so, so you're you're saying Affleck? Argo? Yeah, Affleck for Argo. Um, really want him to take it out. I don't disagree with anything you've said. No. I've got. I haven't. Obviously, I haven't seen anything but Argo. I think that director and picture will split. So probably will be either Spielberg or, or Bigelow. Yeah. But I think they're going to keep. I think they'll get the big ones. So Ang Lee think... as an outsider, but my vote. Yeah. I am. I am money on the money on the nose for Affleck. Oh really? You're going with Affleck as well? Nice. Yeah. So do you think then, if we were just to to speak hypothetically, Zero Dark Thirty takes out Best Picture, so therefore Spielberg takes out Best Director? Do you reckon that's how it's probably going to play out, or vice probably, versa? Probably. I think. Yeah. I think they'll split those two. Yeah. But I want Affleck more yeah. than anything else. And special friend of the show, Tarantino. I don't think he'll get it. I don't think the main major Hollywood, the maelstrom that is Hollywood, will ta- he'll knock it, take out Sundance. He'll take out Palm Doors yeah, for the but, rest of his career. Yeah, but he'll never get the <clears throat> mainstream. Yeah. this is the best film of the year. Yeah, which I don't think he's after it. No, but, but he I, probably doesn't care. He, he'd rather get a. I think he would rather get a get a Golden Bear mm. at Berlin or something because that means more to him. I think so. Than. Hollywood Awards. I think you're absolutely right, and I think furthermore, to to go on that, and not just to let you know, wouldn't geez, why don't we just fucking massage Quentin Tarantino's balls for a few hours? Okay, <laughs> I think he would be ex- beside himself, over the moon happy for someone in his movie to take out an award yeah. over himself. Like good friend of the show, Kevin Smith. Yeah, with Red State. Yes. He, he put it into to screening season. He, he did all the things he needed to do to qualify. Nope. Not for him, but for Michael Parks. Michael Parks. For the guys that were in yeah. his movie. He, yeah. I think Quinton was probably happier for Christoph Waltz getting the acting Oscar than Christoph, than Christoph, Christoph Waltz. Waltz. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. Because he's, in a, in a way, he's discovered, mm. and that's air quotes, people, and I should be punched in the throat for using them. And he discovered 
Christoph Waltz and brought him to the the mainstream yeah. of American screen. Um, and that's that's his reaction is that I think that's what he wants. I think I, I can tell you, I would love to be at Tarantino's table at the Golden Globes just to listen to him. Just I reckon it would be an awesome table because yeah. he would. He would equal parts shit on, or I think it would just be the best table. Yeah, I really it do. Would be, it would be awesome. Yeah, so that was so that was director. Yeah. Uh, so the last two are the big two, the best picture. Yeah. Best picture, musical or comedy. Yep. The best exotic Marigold Hotel, Les Miserables, Moonrise Kingdom, Salmon Fishing in Yemen, and Silver Linings Playbook. Yep. I oh. think the Les Mis shutout will continue. Okay. I think they are going to get nothing. Yep. Silver Linings Playbook, I think. I'm going to go with um, I'm going to go with Les Mis, solely because I don't share your view that there's a shutout. Mm-hmm. I think that, but if they does, I'm still sticking with it. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't win, if they get shut out of the Globes, I think they're going to take storm the Oscars. Yeah, okay. That's how that's my mm-hmm. feeling on it. But anyway, that's so be it. And so we've got Best Picture Drama. So we've got Argo, Django Unchained, Life of Pi or Pi, Lincoln, Zero Dark Thirty. So the exact so the, representation the, yeah. of the directors. So yeah. look, I, I want it. So I'm going to say it. I want Argo. Yeah. I want Affleck to get the props he deserves, but he won't because he's only made three good films, mm. and he's about to go back and start starring in movies again. Yeah. Affleck, stop. You your yeah. your eye for direction and directing yourself in movies is excellent. Yes. Stay where you are. You know. Unless you promise. Pick up the award, dressed as Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. So, I, so you're saying you're saying uh, Argo? Yeah, and that's just because I want because it. Do you want it? Yeah. Yeah. I, but I think if I was to be honest and and true to the fans, true to the true to our followers, I think Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, uh, I think Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah. We'll get it. I want more than anything else for it to be Argo. Yeah. But I think it will be Zero Dark Thirty, particularly if Affleck gets director, or oh, yeah. or if. Spielberg gets directed. Yeah, and and that's I think I think you've pretty much hit the nail right on the head. Yeah. I think we're both very much on the same page. It'll be whoever gets director, the other will yeah. get. And let's just hope Affleck, Affleck gets both. <sighs> I think he'd be in tears. I think he would be distraught. He would get up anyway. Good on him. I mean, they cried when they got uh, right screenplay. Oh, that was so. Uh, that was one of my favorite. Yeah. Possibly up there, I would say my second favorite Oscars moment of all time was when they picked up for that. Yeah. With the favorite, best Oscars moment, Cuba Gooding Jr. Oh yeah. For uh, Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. Probably tied with the Italian. Belli- dude. Yeah, Benini. Yeah, that's yeah. what Roberto Benini. I want to make. I'm love. out of English. I want to make love to all of you. Leaping up on the yeah. chairs and. Uh, oh yeah, that was. Um, good. So that's the Globes. Uh, actually, I have, oh, you have. You have some more. I do have a couple more because I, I know only, the only reason I want to mention. Oh, them, you got your TV stuff, yeah. Yeah, is that I hope because we've got, and I'll just race through them real quick. Yeah. Best television series drama: Breaking Bad, Boardwalk, Boardwalk Empire, Downton Abbey season two, Homeland Newsroom. I want Homeland to stomp all over Breaking Bad because of my Brian Cranston rage at the moment. He annoys me now whenever I see him <laughs> in something. I've 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 got to go back and see if I can find some context. Because I hate to think that that's what's going to happen, and that's it. I won't worry about any yeah, of those. So, you, so you're backing Homeland as the big. I'm backing big Homeland winner. as TV, and I'm going to back it in every category. Yep. I'm going to back Claire Danes. I'm going to back da- back Damien Lewis. Interesting, it wasn't nominated in comedy or musical, but yeah, so be it. And I hope that the the miss of Girls 
constantly happens because it's fucking god awful. That's just me. I think, having said that though, talking to other people, we think that because we have penises. Yeah. I oh. think it's a show for girls by girls. Uh, yeah, except I sat down with my wife and she, fuck it, she was saying, I, in fact, I said, come on, let's give it one more episode and she fell asleep. She said, I don't want to watch this shit anymore. So, not all girls. But anyway, let's see how we go. Reviews. Reviews. Pricks, unfortunately, were just unable to. I was unable to see another movie in time for the the broadcast. However, the biggest movie to end off the 2012 movie season, The Hobbit: An Unexpected Journey, or an unexpected trilogy, as everyone <laughs> likes to say. Directed by Peter Jackson, written by Peter Jackson, Philippa Boyens, Fran Walsh, and Guillermo del Toro and obviously based on the novel by J.R.R. Tolkien. It's starring Martin Freeman, Serena McKellen, Richard Armitage, and Andy Serkis, among so very many others. The film opens with one of the many additional scenes added by Jackson to link this movie more closely to the previous Lord of the Rings trilogy. Tolkien fans will know that The Hobbit was written before Lord of the Rings, with elements re-edited after the latter's publication to tie the books a little more closely together. Jackson has done the same thing here with the opening sequence of Bilbo Baggins commencing writing of his tale on his 111th birthday, or the 11th birthday. Uh, if, uh, 11th 1st. 11th 1st, there it is. We see a wonderful return of Ian Holm and Elijah Wood, and straight away we're back into Middle Earth, and it's, it's just a really nice touch and a nod to the fans. The basic premise of this movie is Bilbo Baggins, Martin Freeman, is handpicked by the wizard Gandalf, Sir Ian McKellen, to accompany a band of dwarves led by Thorin Oakenshield, Richard Armitage, to reclaim their lost homeland and considerable wealth from the evil dragon Smorg, who will be played by Benedict Cumberbatch. And that's it. Basically, as Kevin Smith points out, it's another fucking film about walking. Which is fine by me. I make no secret of my love of the original trilogy, as it was my younger years spent playing AD&D and not getting laid, made real on screen. So I went into this film with the same joy and excitement, probably more so as I kind of knew what to expect visually. However, before I go on, I want to talk about the elephant in the room. I'm talking, of course, about the high frame rate. 48 frames per second, the presentation of the film. Without going too deeply into the specifics, what we are used to seeing in our films is 24 frames per second. It gives the film its film look, if you will. In short, we know it, we're comfortable with it, we like it. Jackson chose to shoot this film not only in 3D, but with double the frame rate as well, to, in his words, give us a more immersive experience. Personally, I think it did just the opposite. To me, this film looked like a made-for-TV movie. The first few moments of the film looked like they were on fast-forward in sections, and in fact I can liken that to the first time I watched Band of Brothers on Blu-ray, I accidentally pressed it on plus one speed, and they 
were walking along and it, and it took me a few moments to catch on and that's exactly how the first few sections of this film felt and the smog attack on the dwarven stronghold of Erebor to me I thought it looked very familiar until I realized I've played Dragon Age and I have seen openings to video games before for me this sensation did not settle down until about two-thirds of the way through the movie only to be jolted back into it with the final scene the whole experience of the film was like watching one of those behind-the-scenes docos and I was waiting for the film to, to begin. Coincidentally, this is an almost verbatim criticism that was levelled at this film by The Village Voice. There's a reason we have 24 frames per second. Jump on Wikipedia and look up the persistence of vision theory to go into the whys and the wherefores of this, but basically, 24 frames per second works so very well as it's just a few frames faster than we need to be tricked into seeing an image appear to move. However, with 48 frames per second, to me it looked like I was watching the actors on, in a theatre on a stage. Every costume, set piece, even special effects was so clear that to me it actually looked fake. I have spent hours, countless hours, watching the making of featurettes on the Lord of the Rings DVD editions and many others for many other movies. And one of the things that they constantly say, words to the effect of, on the camera, the eye won't pick this up, the film will mask this effect, etc 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 never was this more so clear or prevalent when they used the forced perspective elements of the lord of the rings trilogy when we had gandalf and frodo standing side by side richard armitage for example is six foot one and he is playing a four foot five dwarf they pulled it off but it still looked kind of off to me with the hobbit i genuinely waited for them to stop about 20 minutes in have peter jackson walk on the screen and say ha ha april fools and the movie would then restart. Sadly, he didn't. As for the 3D, it's well done, but I genuinely did not feel that it added anything in particular to the film. Unlike Avatar, or Dread, or even the fairly ordinary Tron Legacy, where the 3D was part of the entire experience, for me, The Hobbit simply didn't need it. I will finish with a quote from the New York Times. Overall, though, the shiny hyper-reality robs Middle-earth of some of its misty, archaic atmosphere, turning it into a gaudy, high-definition tourist attraction. Now, after that ridiculously overwrought opening, I would like to simply say that aside from all of that, I thought this film was brilliant. Freeman, McKellen, Armitage and Circus bring back all the magic of the characters of Middle-earth. There's a wonderful cameo in this film, which, given it hasn't been out that long, I won't spoil it, but actually had me applauding. The score is sensational, with some wonderful Liet motifs to remind fans of where they are and to the delight us all. Gollum is back and Circus plays this signature role to perfection. It's been 10 years since we began our journey, there and back again, and it felt just like returning to an old friend's house. It's a lighter-hearted romp, as is the book, compared to the darkness inherent in the first trilogy, and is definitely aimed at the younger members of the audience. Having said that, I think Peter Jackson must enjoy scaring the piss out of kids because there were some rather disturbing moments. I fully intend to see this movie again with my kids this time and I will probably see it again and again and I will definitely be purchasing it on home viewing. However, I will be watching the 2D standard frame rate version. I do have one quibble and it is such a small quibble but it's more for the other, other members of the audience other than myself. The Hobbit storyline is actually a little too short to be stretched over three movies. It's my understanding that the actual Hobbit storyline will be resolved by the end of the second film, with the third film containing some extra stuff from the Cimmerillion and a couple of scenes from the appendices of Lord of the Rings. 
some things that, that, that have simply been described, such as the Battle of Five Armies, I believe is going to make an appearance as well. As I said, this personally won't bother me in the slightest. I love Middle-earth and I will enjoy seeing all sorts of stories played out, but I can't help think that it won't appeal to everybody, but fuck them. Anyway, for the story, the acting, the movie itself, I'm going to give this three and a half stars. I want to give myself some room to move when I see the entire trilogy. But for the technical aspects of the 48 frames per second, that being, do I think it was a success? For me, no. And for that aspect, I, I award it one star. Margaret. I purchased a ticket to a high frame rate version. I don't believe it was. Because I was expecting that jarring sensation, at least initially, and I never got it. Okay. So I'm probably going to go and see it again, like at, at Hoyt's. I saw it at Dendi in what I had bought tickets for a high frame rate session. Okay, so that's what we I saw. I don't believe it, it was. Oh. Well, because I never get, got that feeling of, you know, the 100 hertz TV, that, that sort of made for TV look. I know what that look looks like. Yeah, yeah. I was expecting it. I didn't get it. Okay. So I'm thinking it probably wasn't there. Okay. So, which is a shame because that's why I didn't see it on Boxing Day or when I was on holidays in, in Queensland. Yeah. Because I wanted to see it in high frame rate. So I'll probably, I'll probably go to. Uh, to Hoyts or somewhere close on a cheap Tuesday and, and sure. catch it again. Something that you touched on, apparently I owe a small apology, a very small apology to George Lucas. Just expanding on something that you'd said, when Tolkien originally wrote The Hobbit, Riddles in the Dark was completely different. Gollum willingly bets the ring yep. uh, on the outcome of the riddle game and he and Bilbo part amicably. During work on the sequ on the sequel that he was asked for, which would eventually become Lord of the Rings, he re Tolkien revised this scene mm. to be what we now know yep. as the riddle scene, with "We hates it, we hates it forever." Yep. I can still say "fuck George Lucas." Oh, if you can absolutely say "fuck George Lucas," because but, but I kind of feel a little bit bad yeah, for doing but it. Tolkien didn't do it twenty five years or thirty years later. He, d I mean, he did. I understand exactly what you're saying, but I no fuck George Lucas. I'm not. I'm not letting you come down off that ledge. <laughs> I'm not. Fuck George Lucas. Please yeah, continue. You, you, you're not going to let me bring I'm myself not, back to no, the middle. You know, no, stay out there. Yeah, stay right. on that fucking ledge. Fuck right. George Lucas. I understand a lot of the praise this movie's getting. It's nice to go back to something we've seen before, something incredible. But as impressive as this movie is, it doesn't show us anything new. It's like it's part. It could might as well be part four yep. of Lord of the Rings, and there's nothing we haven't seen. The big sweeping scenery shots of an admittedly still fucking amazing New Zealand mm. landscape that is still impressive with a bunch of people walking. It has been a long time since I've read the book, probably since high school. I don't know, so I can't one hundred percent know. Hopefully, someone will either correct me or tell me I'm wrong. Whether in the Rivendell scene... You're on Twitter, right? Yes. Yeah, someone will tell you. Someone that you're will on. tell me. I don't know if that Rivendell scene had Galadriel, no. Saruman, Saruman and Elrond. Okay. I don't know if they were in that scene. They weren't. That was an added thing. And, yeah. and there goes that cameo that I wasn't going to tell anybody about. But that's all right. That's okay. Well, it's a bit big for a cameo. <laughs> uh, true. Yeah. But I, yeah. I hope they weren't added as some, hey, isn't this cool touchstone to earlier pictures, like I felt the opening scene with Ian Holm and Elijah Wood was. It was nice, but I didn't think it was necessary. Mm. I think it was... And actually, this sort of ties into my next thing. 
The Hobbit is 310 pages. Lord of the Rings was two and a half thousand. Yeah. There is a lot of padding in this movie. Things that are expanded on. Exactly. Things yeah. that probably didn't need to be, but have been done to pad it out. This movie is three hours long, mm. and at times it drags. When we've been told it's split into three parts, and this movie could easily lose three quarters of an hour, seem it does leave a, ti- a, a bit of a bitter taste in my mouth yep. that, you know, I'll see the others. I'm not... It just seems a little callous. Yep. Ca- callow, probably more than callous. That's probably my, 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 my issues with the film are not so much with the film, yep. but with well, the, the marketing and the, the production. Pretty much exactly yeah. what I say. It's yeah. too short a film to be... Yeah. Too short a, a source material yeah. to be three films. Yeah. So... Yeah. Like, so, yeah, some of the stuff that was done, and which was in, which was cool, the brown... The brown Radagast. Lizard, Radagast. Yeah. That stuff was cool. Yeah. I think it's like a throwaway sentence. Yeah, it in does, the book. doesn't even appear in the book. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the stuff, the filler that's been added to bulk it out, I don't think yeah. was necessary. The 3D, it, the version I saw was 3D, was good. But again, it didn't add anything. It was just some nice mm. effects. I don't want to completely damn this movie. However, I would like to say some some positive things. I thought Martin Freeman was was amazing. I think Martin Freeman's Bilbo was mm-hmm. was superb. The right mix of naivety and awe, and I think he did an incredible job. The new Gollum is because Gollum's not going to be in the other two movies. I assume shouldn't be. But yeah. <laughs> the new Gollum so much better. Uh, even you know, only, t- I mean, ten years is a long time in technology. Yeah. It was already impressive as hell in the original R- Rings films. Mm. There's just a level of extra realism to him now, and the sooner that people like the Academy recognise performance capture as a legitimate art and a legitimate thing that require that needs to be acknowledged, yeah. Andy Circus is from it. He's yeah. I mean, he's not. A, he is not a pioneer of this type of technology. No, but he is. But he's the he's the poster boy. He yeah. He's he's the De Niro, the Street, the Pacino mm. of this this style of yeah. acting. It's just ridiculous. He's yeah. so good, yeah. and that actually, interestingly, when I said that the the effects dropped out for me two thirds through, mm-hmm. it was the riddles in the dark sequence. Yeah, that gave it to me where, because Gollum looked real, and yeah. for a nanosecond there, I was real. I'm like. Fuck me! They yeah. really got him right. Yeah. In the film, I kept kind of look, in the original trilogy. Mm. I keep trying to look for bits. Oh, did they move the stone there? That stone should have moved when he walked across yeah. it. I, I didn't think that for a split second. Yeah. And this one, I so you're right. That, yeah. that technology is just spectacular. Yeah. The biggest thing this film made me feel is a little bit of disappointment that we never got to see what Del Toro would do with it. Ah, uh, yeah. So, because we've seen what Peter Jackson, yeah, we and we knew going into the film what Peter Jackson did. Yeah. If you know, Del Toro could have done it. Guillermo Benicio, whatever. Either of them. Steve Del Toro. Yeah. Could the Del Toro brothers. The Del Toro. Would have been. I would have loved that. Yeah. So I think this is a very good film, but it's nothing we haven't seen before. Yeah. So three stars from me. Yeah. Oh, look, I think that is a, a very accurate assessment. It's part of the wow factor of Lord of the Rings was that we had no idea how he was going to do it. Mm. And I think I've even mentioned it as well. You, you watch Fellowship now in comparison to Return of the King, just in those three years of, of technology increase and whatnot, where he could go back and touch things up. 
there were some moments of Lord of, of fellowship where you go, ah, oh, that's not as good anymore as it was when I first saw it. I I fully intended to go back and see it at the yeah. standard. I I and the kids are really looking forward to it. I'm starting reading The Hobbit to the kids, and I've discovered halfway through that my voice for Gandalf is Bane's from Dark Knight Rises. Boo <laughs> <laughs> baggers. Anyway. Perhaps he's wondering why are you in shootery? Why you shoot a man before you take his ring? Guess who's back? Back again. Shady's back. Tell a friend. Guess who's back? 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 So the ten movies that are coming up. You went ten, did you? You just went everything. Okay, but that's right. That's right. No, that's that's cool. It's our podcast. Cool. Fuck it. We make we make the rules. It's cool, Yolanda. It's cool. Right. We're just going to be like two little Fonzies and go through our list. Well, you, you go through your ten and then mm-hmm. I won't repeat them All right. if I've got them. In, in no particular order, Anchorman, the legend continues. Yes. Thor, the Dark World. Is that out this year? Yeah. I couldn't find it on my list. Add that. Sin City 2, A Dame to Kill For. Okay. There's, there's a lot of sequels on my... Yeah, I, I just yeah. didn't see those on, the, on my yeah. list. Kick-Ass 2, because I really liked Kick-Ass 1. Yeah. Man of Steel. Yep. <laughs> I'm assuming you've got Man I've of got Steel. I've got Man of Steel. Yeah. Star Trek Into Darkness. Yeah, I've got that. Iron Man 3. Yep. Carrie. Oh, yes, I don't give a fuck about that. Lincoln. Of course. And I said it's in no particular order, but probably the movie I'm jonesing the most for, Django Unchained. Of course. Okay, so I won't bother with Django Unchained. Mm-hmm. Mine are Elysium, the mm-hmm. Matt Damon, Jodie Foster, Evil Dead. Yeah. I want to see the Hitchcock one. I'm looking forward to Zero Dark Thirty. West of Memphis. Now, I've, I don't know if you know about this one. This is the about the West Memphis Three. Yeah. Uh, Damien Eccles. Uh, they've it's Peter Jackson uh, documentary or yep. produced documentary. Yep. This story is it, you won't believe this story to hear it. Jack Reacher. I know it's already out, yep. but I haven't seen it yet, yep. so I'm still looking yeah, forward I, to it. I, I didn't put I didn't put Jack Reacher and I didn't put Gangster Squad down yep. because they're already they're out and I'll probably see them in the next week or so. So we had Lincoln Cloud Atlas. I like the Wachowski brothers. Yep. So I, well, the Wachowski siblings. <laughs> yes, yes, actually, thank you. I will, so I will give that. Um, this will not surprise anybody. Harakiri, Death of a Samurai. I want to see that one. Uh, the Great Gatsby. Oh, that's, that's, that's gone on to your league. Because yeah. that wasn't when it was going to be last year, you were sort of a bit lukewarm on it. I, I, Australia burned me a little bit mm-hmm. with Baz, but I'll, I'll let him have a go. Mm-hmm. I'll let him. World War Z, which I noticed was conspicuously absent from your list. The Lone Ranger. Mm-hmm. I want to check that out. Pacific Rim. Oh, the Guillermo uh, I think Pacific Rim was on my on my short list was it yeah, yeah well so you did the right thing and yeah. went to 10 I ignore texts uh, The Wolverine yeah um, and The Hobbit I mm. am looking forward to seeing the next one and if I can then a little bit of TV news yeah. I'm so excited House of Cards an upcoming political drama television series developed for American television by Kevin Spacey and David Fincher. I and did see something with that, because Spacey's in it. I think I yeah. saw something on that yesterday. And uh, Bo Williman. Yeah. The series stars Spacey as a ruthless politician, aren't they all, with his eyes on the presidency. Don't they all? 
It's an adaption of the previous BBC miniseries of the same name, and Fincher is directing the first two episodes, and I genuinely cannot mm, wait. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, that, that is actually something... Yeah, I, I knew nothing about it. I yeah. saw something briefly and saw Spacey on TV, and I thought, oh, that'll be awesome. Yeah. Knowing the full story, I'm quite quite hard for that. Yeah, now. that's going to be awesome. One thing is sort of a, a quick little reviewette for yep. a movie that I saw, Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, yeah? Fun little Disney Disney film. The reason I wanted to mention it is I actually haven't seen like a Disney cartoon that hasn't been that's not Pixar okay. for a long time. Pixar put a short film, a little animated short, in front of each of their their movies. Yeah, I don't know that Disney have always done the same thing. Mm-hmm. Wreck It Ralph was good, could not hold a candle to the animated short. That was ah, before okay. a little short called The Paperboy. Yeah, phenomenal. Okay, awesome. I, I think it was called The Paperboy. Yep. Might have to might have to check that. But a beautiful little, you know, two three minute animated story that was just. So take the kids to see Wreck It Ralph. Watch The Paperboy. Curl up and go to sleep yeah. for Wreck It Ralph. Yeah, you'll like Wreck It Ralph if you're an old school video gamer. Ah, okay. you know, if you. But yeah, it's it's a Disney movie. It's nothing nothing groundbreaking. But that. Yeah, that little short, mm. mind-blowing. A monster episode. To it get is. It, almost a, a trilogy. We could split this up into three 20-minute things. We could. We We're could. not going to, but we no, could. We could. Well, then that's been us. That's it us. Welcome, um, welcome back. Welcome back. It's To the pricks for another year. Yeah, uh, and if you've got anything to say, jump on to Twitter, um, ACOP Woody. ACOP Nate. Jump, check us out on Facebook, the new yeah. Facebook page. Um, I think it's just Facebook, Facebook slash, slash a couple of bricks. Yeah, or ACOP. Uh, ACOP. Yeah, because they are they ACOP podcast because they didn't like bricks. <sighs> Wasn't allowed to have that. So come and say hey on that one. Um, always, if you've got something you don't like about the show, that's uh, go fuck yourself at a couple of bricks.com. And if there's something that you do like about the show, pricks at a couple of bricks.com. But until next time, I've been Woody. I'm Nate. And, and we're, we're a couple, couple of freaks. Back again. We, have, we haven't lost. We haven't lost a step. Absolutely. We did. We did. Sizzle. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back to that same old place that you laughed about. Well, the names have all changed since you hung around. But those dreams have remained and they've turned around. Who'd have thought they'd lead you? Who'd have thought they'd lead you?